0: Down. Bro, Jane, you gotta stop making me laugh, bro. I saw your <laughs> face. I saw your face. Now, I can't stand you. I cannot stand you. Damn it! i <laughs> will just looking. I'm <laughs> uh, just look over here. Yeah. I'm not gonna even look at you. Nah, uh, you good. You good. So uh, the first, second. all right, got you. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Star Sit Down. My name is Kim Davis Jr., the podcast editor here at The Star, and today we have two Black editor in chiefs of the University Star. The first one being Carrington Tatum and the current editor in chief, Jaden Edison. Hello fellas. Greetings. What's, What's good? What's good? How y'all doing?
1: yo I'm good, man. I'm just uh over here trying to get moved in. Uh they got me doing all this adult stuff, trying to uh, set up internet as y'all learn. Um, I feel like starting life is like, you know, when you start a new story game and the tutorial way too long. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you just want to play the game, like you just want to, you just want to go do what you got to do. But they forced me to play this long tutorial and, and spend a bunch of money.
0: Uh, so wait, so where you work at in Memphis?
1: Yeah, so I just started, and it's not, it's not public yet. So y'all getting the. Uh,
0: um, well, no, this drops are. this drops next Friday, so it'll, I guess, yeah, I guess it'll be public then. I hope. Yeah, no,
1: it, it should be public. If not, it's gonna be. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. So I just uh, took a job at MLK 50 out of Memphis. It's a nonprofit news organization focused on poverty, power, and policy. Um, and I'm gonna be a general assignments reporter. So I'm going in to tell stories about the people of Memphis, which if you know um, anything about a storied history of, um, you know, the history of, of race and racism in the US, if you know anything about um, um, the economic effects of racism, um, you know, Memphis is sort of a, uh, it's a, an epicenter for, you know, all of the issues that can go wrong with, you know, an urban environment, um, throw racism on top of that. And you sort of have a people, or a group of people who are, um, I guess, more or less bearing all the consequences at once. And so trying to get in there, tell some stories and hold some people accountable for it.
0: So what what brought you there?
1: Yeah, so I got to MLK 50 in a a roundabout way. Um, uh, The position actually comes through Report for America, which um, for those who are not familiar, it's a part of the Ground Truth Project Uh, And essentially what they try to do is uh, take reporters and put them in news deserts or in places, um, you know, that need assistance bolstering their coverage, but may may or may not have the resources to do so. Um, And so through Report for America, they reached out, um, and this is actually mid-pandemic, so um, you know, right after graduating from Texas State, I had um, what I thought was a a great plan lined up, right? Um, I was... Uh, Coming off my term as editor, I finished my last year at school, um, and I planned to take an internship with the Washington Post out in D.C. Um, But then this coronavirus thing hit, uh, turned everybody's lives upside down, and uh, the Washington Post ended up canceling their internship program. Um, And so I was, you know, sort of, I guess just caught out, like not knowing what to do. Um, And I, uh, through a connection I had made Earlier in my, um, uh, I guess, college career, I ended up interning for the Dallas Morning News for a while, um, and through that, uh, uh, someone else in my network from the D.M.N. Uh, put me on a report for America, and I initially applied for a um, you know a different report for America position, and they wanted me in that position, but I ended up passing on it for the Washington Post. <laughs> Funny mm-hmm. enough. Um, and so I had to stand there with egg on my face looking crazy because um, I thought I did something. But uh, uh, but yeah, the post canceled and also a lot of people in the report for America Corpse also, you know, for various reasons due to the pandemic, you know, people just dropped out. Um, and so they were looking to fill people because um, they still, you know, it's a two-year program. And so they still have all this time where they still need reporters. Um, so somebody gave me a call. He said, hey. Uh, You ever heard of this place called MLK 50? And I was like, uh, yeah, (laughs) I I have. Um, Because if you're talking about, one, if you love nonprofit news, um, and I guess what changing the business model can do for journalism. um, So if you love nonprofit news and you love, um, uh, I guess, seeing uh, more robust coverage of of, uh, Black cities, Black uh, communities, um, then you know about MLK 50. Uh, and so when they asked me if I heard of it, I was almost offended on the call. I was like, you know, I know exactly what it is. Like, like whatever you about to ask me, like, skip it. You ain't got to pitch me on it. Like, put my name in. I'm trying to work there. Um, and so they put my name in, did my interviews, um, uh, met with, uh, you know, the editors and the founder, and it all worked out. And I shipped out to Memphis. As of yesterday, I drove a U-Haul, pulled my car on the back, don't recommend scariest thing you can do um (laughs) um, not for everybody uh not for me either um but uh yeah so i'm out of memphis work for mlk 50 now
0: yo that's dope that's dope i uh i can't imagine like passing up opportunity that they offered you and then you're like nah man i got i got you know i got these washington post it's kind of a big deal. yeah bro like I
1: thought I was saucy <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so this is a question I have for the both of you since both of you have been the editor in chief here. So do you do both of you like reporting better than kind of like managing and like overseeing? Or what like how do you how do you like like that? Like do you prefer being out on the field and like actually being hands on and kind of getting that first hand experience reporting and asking the questions that you want to ask or do you prefer like hey guys, you know, I, I want to I talk about this and this is how we can approach it.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one. I think, I mean, you, you sort of like uh, aspects in both. I think the biggest thing is that, I guess when you're out in the field, for me that I love most is obviously is that I'm in control, right? Like I know how I like things specifically. I know how I want to execute things. Um, I know sort of like, you know what you know, right? Because And essentially when you become editor, it's like, you know, you're hired to sort of, you know, you implement sort of a vision and you hire the editors and, you know, they put, hire the staff and whatnot to sort of help you carry out that vision. Then there is also elements of like what they want to do as well within that. But at the same time, it's like you're trying to get everybody like on board to meet this like one specific goal, as opposed to if I'm by myself, then I know what that is. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm out there like there's no I don't have to. Nobody has to tell me what I want. You know, it, it's sort of that's understood. Right. So I think from that standpoint, like if I'm out, I'm putting together a story, like I'm already thinking like, okay, this is probably what, you know, a, a good lead, you know, can look like potentially. Or if I'm doing a documentary, it's like, okay, like I know I need to avoid this because this could be a disaster, like all those type things. And when you're editor, there's a lot more teaching where you're, um, you know, you have a lot, especially in student media, right? It's not like we're in a newsroom at the Washington Post where you got experienced people applying and coming in all over the place. It's like you have people who are doing journalism probably for the very first time ever so there's a, a different like learning curve so I do like the aspect of of seeing somebody who you know when you first come in like being able to like work with them and get them to a certain point even like as editor working with editors and seeing them sort of become better leaders like I love that aspect of it too and then you also love being out in the field and just you know um, it's like you know putting stuff together and sort of figuring out things right like as challenging as it is, you know, during the process, like you sort of, you know, you enjoy it and and seeing the end products, you know. So I I like both of them, you know, it's hard to say. And I'm not done yet, right? Like I still got, I'm I'm sure it might might change by May 1st, Mm -hmm. that date really well, all the editors do when they come through. May 1 is typically the last day, right, of of your term. Um, So I'm sure I might have a different perspective then, but, you know, the teaching part of it, um, you know, you really enjoy seeing it, you know, through. But you also love being out and, you know, being in the trenches, for lack of a better term.
1: All right, Yeah, I feel like um, you know, reporting and editing—it's—it's it's two different jobs with a lot of things to love about both. Um, and I think to Jaden's point of being in trenches, like being on the ground, you know, I think that sort of gratifies me in a very personal way because um, I'm connecting with people. I'm having conversations here and their stories in real time, uh, and so I think it's a lot more. Um, I guess gratifying to me, uh, to be able to, you know, to Jaden's point, you know, I don't have to focus on anything but telling the story that's in front of me. Um, Whereas as an editor, you know, you're thinking for, you know, five or six reporters, right? You're thinking about their stories. Um, And I think even, you know, maybe this is one way to describe it. I don't know if it works. Maybe it sounds stupid in hindsight, but um, I guess if reporters are asking, you know, what the story is like, Uh, I think editors are asking, you know, what should be the story. Um, And so I guess it's two different questions. And like, you know, a reporter's working to tell, you know, the, you know, one story, try to get the point across, try to have an impact in that one sense. But I think an editor is stepping up and saying, okay, but, you know, in the context of this community, you know, what do we need to focus on next? What are our priorities? Um, And even think of different newsrooms, right? Like, at what point did they make the decision that, okay, coronavirus is a real thing that we need to cover, you know, 24/7, around the clock. Um, Not every newsroom makes that decision at the same time. Not every newsroom um, even has the same priorities when it comes to covering it. You know, do we just cover numbers? Uh, Do we, um, you know, put out every new case? Um, Are we telling people focused stories? Are we telling business focused stories? Um, So there's, I guess a lot of bigger questions that inform the jobs of the reporters. and so I guess for me you know I, I think I just love both um, for, for very different reasons. I don't even know if I could um, say which I like more. Um, plus being an editor, you get to help other you know, other reporters. I think the best editors were good reporters because um, they know exactly what a reporter is, is feeling when they're working on a difficult story or they Maybe have an idea that's too big for them in that moment. Uh, it's also really satisfying to lock in with somebody and help them. You know, uh, I guess tell the best story that they can.
0: That's uh, that's oh, Jane. Were you gonna say something? I was gonna say that. Another
2: common thread is really for me, right? Like Carrington sort of spoke on it's like the people aspect of it. Like you have that in both of them. It's you know a little obviously as editor-in-chief, right, you're a little bit more behind the scenes, I guess, right? Like there's more, like the characters say, you're working one-on-one with reporters, with editors. Being out in the field is, you know, being talking to community members and, and seeing, you know, uh, getting the the climate, like the pulse of the community, you know, the, the people that, that make the city sort of what it is. So that's the, there's two, like, special sort of dynamics in both of them, um, you know? But yeah, you sort of enjoy both, right? Like, I think it's all rooted in, like, you have to almost... Like, you can't be a journalist and not be able to work with people, right? That's that's just, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, the people is the common thread, I think.
0: No, I, uh, I got you. I understand. And I, um, I really like both of your takes because I think it's really fascinating, um, like, the love that people have for doing the different positions and roles. Because I know there are people that, like, really enjoy copy editing, like, you know, like. I couldn't be me. You no, know, I don't, I don't like it, but I think it's fascinating. Like when people have like that interest in that passion and there are definitely people like at the start were like, yeah, I can't, I cannot see myself as an editor. Like that's way, that's way too much responsibility. I'd much rather just be able to go out and talk to people and write, you know, the stories that I like and pitch ideas. And then there are people that like, you know, I prefer being an editor rather than a reporter, you know, I like o- overseeing people and I like being able to help people and, yeah, I think people is the common thread. And I think uh, both of your answers are really interesting. And I, uh, I like them. I like them. Um, another question I, I had, you know, obviously, or not necessarily obviously, but it's it's kind of preached about diversity in the newsroom. And like, you know, you want to have diversity of thought, different races and what have your experiences been as black journalists? Because both of you have been doing this for quite a while. So what have kind of like the positives and, and negatives been and the highlights and lowlights?
2: I guess I'll start. Um, I think, well, I guess starting with the, obviously the, the positive experiences and whatnot. I mean, just having perspective, like that's always cool. Like you, you sort of see things through a different lens and like I, like me and Carrington, he, he sort of, I mean, he, he probably speaks to this too, but like, we both have some similarities in it. Like we grew up uh, like we were able to get the black side of things too. And then we were in some predominantly white spaces as well. So like you come in with like a perspective of like, you know, a more broad perspective in general, you know, in the newsroom, like you sort of know what you're, you know, what you're getting into and like how people sort of, you know, might think about certain things, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of different scenarios and the positive. Yeah. just being able to have perspective, right. And when it comes to connecting with people, cause Texas state, right. It, it's, you know, um, we, we're doing our project, right? The 11% of like black students, or you're talking about the, the, um, you know, the percentage of Hispanic students on campus. Um, you know, I'm, I feel like being a, a black journalist, a black reporter, I'm able to better uh, connect with them more, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, an interview or, or just general casual conversation, because there's sort of that, that common thread, like similar, obviously everybody's a little bit different, but there is that, You see what I'm saying, like that common, like we sort of know, we have similar perspectives on life and whatnot. So I think, you know, you bring that and being able to help people, you know, white journalists in the newsroom who might not see certain things, you know, they might not be at a certain point. um, Just because maybe they haven't been around certain circumstances and whatnot, being able to help them get there or help them see things, you know, through uh, or consider things that maybe they didn't consider before. You know, or you know, like sometimes you might like this is the best example I can think of. It's like you might have a young reporter come in, right? And this this is just based off, you know, you, you you're new to journalism, you you know, you don't know much, but you might have somebody come in and it's a story about let's say Black Lives Matter, right? And you might have three white voices in the story. You know, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know as a black journalist it might be all right to somebody who you know who doesn't have you know sort of those those experiences and whatnot but from my perspective it's like okay like white flag right or red flag right away like okay you got to go out and talk to this person okay this isn't acceptable you got to do that so being able to get sort of you know reporters to sort of you know think on that level and editors too like it's not just it, it, it's all over the place right it's professors as well in the classroom like not uh, uh, Texas State SJMC are predominantly white faculty um, who might not see things you know as clearly or connect with you know students, there's not a lot of Lori Flukers around right there's not a lot of you know Ronald Johnson's around to sort of you know help you know uh, black students or you know students of color sort of navigate through certain things so being able to serve as that for you know people here you know I think that's the positive I think the negative side is also there there's a you know we're not perfect in that there's a lot more in being in college that we have to learn as well right but it's oftentimes when black journalists get into these predominantly white spaces or journalists of color right it's like that person almost becomes like quote unquote the spokesperson for the community and it's like i still have a lot of learning myself i'm trying to be like i don't know everything no i still have my own reading I can't take it tell you when i first got here it was like <laughs> it was rough right i'm like you know i, I had some you know, some, but it, it was a lot more reading that I need to do and whatnot. Um, you know, but people come; they might come to you with questions. Okay, what do you think about this? That might be, you know, considered like a a, a black uh, a black issue or I guess a black topic and whatnot. But there's still a lot of learning and stuff mm-hmm. there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I, I would say that those are. You know, I don't know if that sort of answers your question directly, but yeah, just the positive is like being able to to connect with people. Uh, with such a diverse community, a, a university community, right, where you talk about, you know, a special or really, you know, special, you know, Black student population who've contributed a lot, where you talk about, like, something like the African uh, American Studies minor, that doesn't happen without Black students. So being able to connect, you know, with, you know, students and, um, and also, you know, help the people within the newsroom sort of, you know, think about things maybe they didn't see clearly before. I and mean, obviously, uh, I was, the, the other side was what I just sort of spoke on, so. I know it's probably all over the place,
1: but yeah. Yeah, to Jaden's point, I feel like that's, um, you know, that that ends up being the experience of a lot of Black reporters is, um, I guess it's not only doing your job, right, and then also having to be twice or three times as good um, at it just to, to stay in place. Um, but then it also means, like, like, teaching your white colleagues, you know, about things that... Um, they've either ignored or um, it's not knowledge they inherited because of whatever old traditions of of white supremacy um, exist in that organization. Um, and I think it's interesting because I've worked in um, what will be, uh, I guess, four different newsrooms, including the University Star. Um, and every newsroom has a, is sort of at its own place when it comes to, um, I guess, either reforming or building, um, you know, the idea of inclusion in their organization practices, in their coverage, um, in, their, um, in their philosophies. Um, and so, but either way, you know, you, you're always gonna run into that, right, of, I guess to Jaden's point, you know, like people look to you as the spokesperson Uh, But I think also, you know, black reporters at the end of the day, like, you know, we're no, uh, I guess, no less adherent to the philosophy of journalism, right, which also it's not in our job description to like be, um, you know, like the the resident black expert, um, unless that is like your job somewhere. (laughs) Um, And so I, I think a lot of reporters too, like are unplugging from that as well, like, Um, But it becomes a double-edged sword, right? Because, like, you want the institution to be better. You want the coverage to be better, more inclusive of, you know, communities of color. Um, But at the same time, you love to just only be able to do your job like everybody else. Um, And so, like, it is tricky. Um, And I don't exactly know, like, at this level, I don't exactly know if there's an answer other than everybody sort of defining boundaries for themselves. Um, But I also to Jaden's other point, like, I think it is, um, you know, people talk about the unique perspective that, um, you know, diversity adds, um, to journalism. And I think it's, you know, it's not always about necessarily telling stories better. Uh, I think it's just telling more complete stories. Um, because I think if you, to Jaden's point, if you are writing about black lives matter and you only talk to white people, then it's fine. Like, you know, white people can can have an opinion on Black Lives Matter, but did you tell the full story? Like, who are you leaving out? Who's not being spoken to? Um, And that can be true across issues of race, uh, issues of class as well. I think that's also really important to remember. Um, It's not just talking to, you know, the, um, uh, I guess the the fancy, um, wealthy people who are, you know, hold bureaucratic offices or maybe uh, well-educated, um, you know, have these really high titles, like what about the the working people, the people in between, right? Um, uh, what about the people who are, you know, doing the work with their hands, right? More so than with emails and, and phone calls, you know, what is their perspective on, on these issues? Um, they may not be as well spoken. Uh, uh, and that's not to, you know, to stereotype, right? Like, there's, you'll find whoever you want, right? There's well spoken people there's, there's people who are not well spoken like, uh, but I think a lot of times, especially in y'all space right, like it's higher education, and so you're more likely to talk to people who are you know likely educated, and so they their answers are crafted a certain way, and I think as reporters, our ears are also um, I guess tuned to to look for quotes in a certain way. but I think we also find incomplete journalism in that sense too, because we're you know looking at people from one walk of life. Um, and so I, I think even the premise, like even understanding like that have, being black gives you a different perspective to observing the news as it happens. Um, I think it also opens the sort of the floodgate to, I guess, do more complete journalism all around the board because you can take that one specific issue of race and apply it to any other perspective.
0: So both of you touched on kind of like being the spokesman, like being the only voice in the room when it comes to certain issues. Like for example, Black Lives Matter. People will say, "Hey, Jaden Carrington, what do you think about this?" And you, you're kind of just put on the spot, you know, to give your perspective. So in terms of that, for your from both of your individual perspectives, do you see that being more of a burden or privilege? in that, do you think it's a burden that I always have to be the one that people look to, or do you see it as a privilege, like, they look at me and I'm able to teach them and educate them on issues that they might not know about?
2: Just like, personally for us? Yeah,
0: way. personally, personally.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you, when you start of take on a role, like, editor, right, I, I think, uh, you know, that's just a part of the territory where, I mean, you're getting all kinds of questions that come in, you know, not even related to Black Lives Matter, but, you know, everybody's a little bit different, like, you know, there, there is the side of, like I said, like, I am still on my own journey of I'm still, there's a lot of learning that I'm doing, right? Like trying to expand my worldview, like there's never a point where you become the, the all out expert on life, right? Like you're learning new stuff every day, you make new mistakes every day. Um, So I'm sort of navigating through that. Um, You know, I think, uh, so I guess to directly answer your question is that I don't necessarily see it as a, as a burden. Like I, you know, it, you know being in this role and then you talk about the the lack of like black leadership from like a historical standpoint like specifically like within the star like you know th- there's some of that that comes in right but it is it's just the thing of you know i'm not always going to have the answers to and it's also holding people accountable to do their own research and do their own learning as well because i'm not you know i like i said i'm not a i'm not a history textbook i'm not and those aren't even always accurate right but i'm not the I don't have every single answer from A to Z, from one to one million. You know, it's a you know I'm still learning myself. But people, you know, doing their own research, doing their own reading, right, holding themselves accountable. If, if you know if you're not, you know, sort of meeting, or you're not sort of where you feel like you need to be, or if you have to ask certain questions that um, that maybe if you had sort of you know read up a little bit and you know done your own research, you, you could have come to the conclusion like you know by yourself. I think there needs to be as much as that you know, as there is, you know, uh, asking, you know, I guess the, the one or two black people on staff, hey, what do you think about this? Or, before you do that, is it, did you critically sort of try to think through it? Or was it like sort of the first, the first uh, the thing, you know, you did, you ran into a little wall and it's, hey, Jaden, uh, what do you think about Black Lives Matter? Or what do you think about reparations? Or, you know, something like that. It's like, uh, you know, you put on the spot, like Carrington said, or like you said, Kim. Um, so, yeah, I don't, you know, I like I said, I don't see. It. I I know it comes with the territory. It's just you know, there just needs to be more of I guess self accountability across the board. I guess in the industry, like, um, and then the student media where you have a lot of people that are still sort of navigating their way through life and learning, and you know, going through their own trials and tribulations. Um, you know, that, that accountability has to be there, right? Because there's not always going to be, you know. Um, you know, a Jaden or a Carrington or a Kim around to always answer your questions. Like, you got to be able to critically think through things or whatnot. So I push that a lot as editor Right is Sometimes people might come to me with a question where I might know the answer right away, but I might not give it to them right away because I know that if they just, like, sort of think through the scenario or they take some time to really think through it, then they're going to come to the answer themselves. And I think that's going to benefit them more from a long-term standpoint, as opposed to me just telling them right away, okay, Here's how you should, you know, compose this, this social media poster. Here's how you should compose this lead or, you know, what not to, you know, th- those are things that everybody has to sort of take on themselves. So until it becomes something where everybody feels it is their responsibility to, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, carry out, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, yeah it will always be a thing within the industry that we're going to continually you know have to address and whatnot so I know it's kind of all over the place it, it, that's just I mean I guess that's but that's the best answer I guess I can sort of give it's, it's not a burden necessarily um, you know, I don't mind playing the teacher role at the same time there needs to be more of people holding themselves accountable and doing the research and the reading and whatnot.
1: Yeah I think Jaden hits the nail on the head because um, me personally like I'm not into holding white people's hands um, when it comes to issues of race. Like you have to do your own work, do your own study. Um, Cause again, like I'm not a, a spokesperson for all black people. Cause even if you think about that, right? Like if you break that down to say that, oh, Jaden's one, because he's a black man his one perspective helps me understand everything there is to know about racism. Uh, like it's racist in its premise because then it also suggests that black people all think one way um and it's like like we don't say that about anybody else like like millions of people in the country like we don't find um you know one white person and say hey what does the white community think about this like we don't do that we do that to to black people um and so i i think it's really important to remember that too and even to take pressure off because i do i felt i have been in spaces where i felt pressure to like have the the right answer or to have the um I guess the best uh, answer to issues of race, because if not, then I feel like somehow I haven't done my job. Like I've let um, my, I don't know, I guess like let the culture down by not not having the right answer in that moment. Uh, but I think it's, it's fake pressure because it's not really based on on anything. Like it's a self obligation, right? Because you want to be doing right. Like you wanna be, um, especially in our field, right? Like we work in journalism where a lot of the institutions will end up working for um, Will probably be uh, predominantly white institutions, especially if it 's a legacy organization like an old newspaper then like usually it 's a a white institution where the race is passed, and so you know that that also informs the the foundation and the construction of that institution um, so if we are going into these white spaces, white institutions, hoping to change them uh, for the better and to better serve um, you know uh, um, I guess, more people then, you know, we sort of want to be on the right side. But there's a, a Dick Gregory line. I think it's, it goes something like, um, "It's being Black doesn't make you an expert in racism any more than being sick makes you an expert in medicine. Um, and I think that's, like, the, the truest thing that also took the weight off my shoulders of, like, you know, the right answer is not for me to be trying to be these white people's, like, spiritual guide. Like, in the movies, like like Captain America has Falcon or like, I don't know, Mr. Incredible has Frozone. Like, it's always like the black friend that has to teach the, the white protagonist the whatever lesson they need to learn to, to win the movie. Uh, but it's like, no, like this is real life. Like, like, and nobody's the protagonist here. Like, I got my own thing I'm trying to do. I don't have time to hold your hand. But what I can do is tell you what I know, I can tell you what I think and I can tell you how I found it, right? Here's what I read. Um, to learn what I what I know, um, or here's the experience I had that has informed me this way, um, or here's the person I talked to, or here's the expert in that subject that you're asking about. Why don't you go talk to them? Um, and you know, I think the least I could do to where I'm not, I guess, because although I guess I'm not obligated to, um, I guess help move that needle forward. I do desire to move that needle forward, um, so I'm not going to necessarily. You know, cross my arms and say, "Deal with it." Uh, but I'll at least point people in the right direction, and I feel like that's a a happy medium to, um, I guess, make sure. You know, in a weird way, you know, I'm not, I guess, stifling my own work and my own output as just a, a journalist, right? Like, not even as a black journalist, like just as um, someone who's trying to to document history as it happens, um, like that you know, that mission should not come at the cost of trying to help, you know, white people get over these different um, biases and and gaps in in understanding that, like, they need to work through. Like, that's their problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. Um, But the same could be true, right? Like, and, you know, flip that on its head too, right? Like, there's so much I have to learn too, uh, whether that be on issues of gender, issues of, um, of anything else. So I feel like that's a truism across the board.
2: Yeah. And let's just maybe think of another point too, um, Kim and Carrington, because one thing that happens too is like, you, there's all, you talk about like the, the feeling like, uh, I guess the burden side of it, right. It's like, almost feel like though, you know, there, you know, there's the issue, right. With diversity, equity, and inclusion, because there are so many newsrooms across the country where if you don't have, you know, that, you know, that, that black person, or you don't have that, you know, that one specific person to go to, there are just certain things that, that will fly that are blatantly problematic. Like, I don't know if y'all remember the uh, the All Buildings Matter headline that they ran. It was in Phil- I think it was the Phil- in Philadelphia, um, the paper they ran, right? It's like, you mean to tell me throughout that entire editorial process, there wasn't one person that saw that and was like, man, like that that's gonna be a problem, right? Like that just speaks to the overarching issue that's going on, right? So it's like, there's an overall problem or lack of you know diversity equity and inclusion um you know in newsrooms because if if you're only relying on one person to sort of to to catch you know the things that might be problematic or catch the things that are inaccurate or catch the things that aren't telling the complete story then there's there's a really systemic you know problem you know within your own space and whatnot so that's what i was saying is like people holding themselves accountable right is that there needs to be more you know it shouldn't be a thing of you know, hey, let's go to this one person to ask, maybe, you know, having, you know, that roundtable meeting where everybody's given different perspectives because everybody has done the proper research and done and properly, you know, work to educate themselves to where everybody can equally bring their perspectives to the table. And then y'all collectively come up or come to the best decision. So a lot of newsrooms don't have that, right? It's like you rely on, you know, the one or two people that you hire, some of them, right? Some of them you don't even hire, right? It's like, oh, I'm gonna give this black person a fellowship or an internship, and that's, you know, th- we're diverse, right? That's one thing that kills me, by the way. I hate to see that, it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're making all these efforts toward diversity, here's a fellowship. It's like, <laughs> like, okay, you know, that's fine, but, uh, you know, that's only, that's gonna end after two months, so what, what comes after that, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, so I think there, there's some of that too, but the more people hold themselves accountable, or we all start holding ourselves accountable, I think the better all will be as an industry. Until then, it's like, we're gonna continue to run into the same issues. See, and
1: that's like, to your point, I think that's like a management solution, right? Like if I'm a manager and I run a team and I run that headline, like as a manager, my next solution is to hire people who would have spotted that in the first place, right? So I've done my company good. Like I've made the, the business better, but the, I guess, human or like, like social solution is for all of those people who are in that room who let it fly to also get more educated. Um, and I guess broaden their perspectives, because um, again, like, like on paper, like sure it's bad management to only have a certain type of people in your organization, but beyond the business benefits of it um, or the PR benefits of it, like everybody should just be striving to have a better understanding of of race and
0: um, I guess of the politics of race um going on my uh, next question for the both of you so <laughs> Jane and i have talked about this uh about like the trying to teach objectivity in journalism and how they preach it at sjfc and um Jane, you can speak on this a little more but like as black journalists and uh some some of the times the some of the few black people in the newsroom you know you you have to kind of be you know, a, a little subjective because your experiences and your voice matters. And if you try and just focus on both sides, it, I feel like, you know, you may be shedding light on the wrong thing when you you have a perspective that's unique, that can add value. So, Jaden, can you kind of illustrate to Carrington what, what we've talked about in terms of objectivity and being, being a Black journalist?
2: Yeah, um, you know, first and foremost, right, like, it's something I've, I've sort of had to unlearn over the years, right? Of like, and everybody's, and this isn't just a, just to be clear, right? This isn't a thing that's, you know, just unique to Texas State or a school journalism and mass communication, right? Like, these are industry wide problems, like in every newsroom, right? Where, you know, from, you know, like the roots of journalism is rooted in like this false notion of like doing things completely down the middle, right? I mean, it doesn't exist. Like, I mean, you think about it, right? Every decision you make as a journalist, like, I mean, any decision you make, there is, you know, some form of subjectivity in you know, it. Whether it's okay, who am I going to talk to for the story, or how am I going to construct this lead, or from a management standpoint, where are we going to hire? Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no such thing as like being completely down like it's 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 impossible, right? Um, I think it goes back to Carrington's point earlier in that, you know, true object objectivity, right, is telling the complete story. Like that, that's what it, you know, it sort of comes down to. So the best way i can think of it right is you know we've been one thing this is the perfect example right here we've been taught like as journalists right is that the word of law enforcement is that's the that's that's the end all be all right like we get the law enforcement perspective on that and we can run with that and we're good right and that's sort of something that you have to you have had to sort of unlearn right is that you know there's always you know that's not the complete picture right so you know you might have you know, law enforcement, you know, in terms of everything that's been going on recently, racial injustice, say, hey, this person was resisting arrest, and this person was trying to do this, that, and the third, okay, but then you have the family and the people who are on the scene that were saying, hey, the, op- the, the person was minding their own business, the officer walked up, started bothering the individual, and then shots were fired, right, like, the, you don't have the complete story without that perspective as well. So I think theirs has been for the longest time, right, and still to this day, right. That we're sort of having to to unlearn, and even I'm still having to sort of unlearn in certain areas, like you know, um, you know, the more more reporting you do, the more you sort of see it. But you know, the, the most the, the best way, I guess, to be objective, right, is is to tell the complete story. Uh, we talking to Brent Lewis um, from the New York Times. I know you remember he he was at uh, our Camp Star, and Brent Lewis made a great point, right, like. The, the whole thing of uh, of covering protest from a like a photojournalist perspective, right? Like, okay, that that's fine. Like, okay, you can, there are, you know, in some of the cities, like there were, you know, uh, You know, protests where things were being set on fire and there were windows are broken. Okay, but at the same time, like, you know, maybe two blocks down, you know, down the, the road. There was also another protest where people were, there was none of that right, like everybody was, you know, marching down the street, there wasn't much you know, the uh, I guess quote-unquote violence or whatever. Like, so just you know, that's you know, being able to, sh- to to convey you know the the complete story, right? Because you know, the whole thing is right. If you like, if you look at if you look at cable news television, right, and that's your only source of like information, you are going to be poorly misinformed. You know, you know. Like, I, I mean, you see it right like the most things you're going to see on social media and whatnot, you might see, you know, the, you know, everybody's been talking about it, like the looting and the stealing and whatnot. But little do you know is that, you know, over 90% of the protests in relation to Black Lives Matter have been peaceful, right? Like that's, that's rooted in like research. That's the complete story, right? But oftentimes like that's left out of like the fuller picture to sort of push a certain narrative and whatnot. So, you know, that's what it just comes down to, right? When it comes to objectivity, like we've been taught that, you know, this, this whole down the middle deal where, um you know, in reality, like we haven't, even the people who preach that have not sort of, you know, followed that. I mean, it, and that's a root in all the different examples I just, I just sort of expressed. So, you know, and also how do you, you know, it, it's it's tough, right? Like, it's like, especially with black journalists, like you, you come into newsroom and it's like, hey, leave your, feelings and your bias out of it right like okay you know you know but I don't know like I don't like how do you it's like how do you do that right like there's there's bias in everything we do you know so yeah um like Jaden I mean
1: you're you're hitting the nail on the head so it almost feels like I'm I'm like rehashing it which I don't mean to do but um, like to, to continue on that point, like if you ask any professor who's telling you to, to be objective in your journalism, like ask them what that means. Like, I, I, we don't do that enough. Like we just say, ah, oh, okay, yes. Like, journal, wise journalism professor has told us to be objective in reporting. And it's like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, can you, can you show me, like, what does that sound like? What does it look like? Could you give me an example? Could you show me the sentence structure? Um, and I'd be willing to bet they can't because uh, the idea, the very idea of objectivity one, like doesn't exist, hasn't really existed in journalism. And if you ask the under-resourced, the predominantly uh, black and brown sides of any like major Metro, if their, are um, you know, if their paper has been objective, like like they're gonna tell you no, like they, they can, they could have told you for the past hundred years that uh, you know, there's no such thing as objectivity. Um, and so I think even the, I guess like this is only a surprise to white journalists, right? Um, and I think it's also right, like, you know, black journalists have gone through schools, you know, set up and, um, and uh, taught by, you know, other, um, uh, I guess, white journalists. And so it makes sense that that's the pervasive philosophy in the field, but I'm glad that as I'm coming into it, we see that conversation changing. Because I almost thought, like when I was a student, I almost thought it was like taboo. Like I thought it was a, like I always had the idea, like maybe this, you know, this doesn't really make sense. Like, what do you mean be objective? Like you're asking human beings, like like science tells you that it, that it's not possible to, to erase bias. Um, and so this idea that journalists are just magical people who can is like, like it's all, all fantasy like these are these are um, Aesop's fables right um and it's like I think the better question you know rather than asking the journalism's objective like the better question is was it fair and was it accurate right you may not like it right like it might be offensive um because it didn't exactly um I guess work for your politics but um you know that's that's not what's important for the journalism I think the important is you know are these facts right like is this true? Is this is this what was said? Is this the real number? And then also giving the context and say, hey, was that fact presented with its full context? Um, and were all the parties involved given fair platform to to comment, to justify, to defend, to attack? You know, um, and all of these things have nothing to do with the race of the the person telling the story, right? Um, and so, like if you I guess, you know, to that point of like any professor preaching that like you just drill down into it, which we never do. Like we just we just talk about objectivity as like this ambiguous, like philosophy of journalism. But we never like grab it and like interrogate it and say, you know, what is objectivity? And I'd be willing to bet if you dig down long enough, you're going to find the white supremacy that that stems stems from. Um, Because I think it's also important not to forget that like all of the original institutions of journalism, like were built um, like as institutions of white supremacy, no different from uh, the governments of the U.S. Um, no different from the uh, religions or the churches of the U.S. Like, All of these institutions are born out of white supremacy. And so this, I guess this idea that journalism is somehow exempt from that, like you have history to tell you that's wrong. You have um, like current reporting to tell you that's wrong. Um, But more importantly, the people who were not being covered, like being ignored, or the people who were being covered um, unfairly could have always told you that. And by, let me be specific. When I say people, I'm talking about um, people who live in under-resourced communities, segregated communities, um, uh, and uh, people who bear the brunt of, of racism of um, classism and all you know all of those things uh, those are the people who could have told you from the jump that hey like none of y'all are, are objective right um and so i that's why i almost like like i'm smiling not because it's funny but i think it's it's funny that we even entertained that like mm-hmm. like it's just something we allow to to fly without any justification
2: talk about objectivity, right? Like the funny thing is, is like, like Carrington said, like it doesn't exist literally. And the people that preach it, those are the people that are writing stories that, you know, leads, oh, this, uh, this person had racially insensitive words as opposed to saying racist. It's like telling the complete story and calling things like what they are. So like, maybe, you know, there, there's just a lot of, like, like Carrington said, like it, it literally like, if you really break it down, like it, it doesn't exist there's everything from, like I said, a word choice the people we're interviewing, even like the headline, like those are all subjective things, you know, as reporters and as editors that we, you know, make a decision on, so.
1: And also, and not to, to beat this into the ground, but again, interrogating objectivity, like, look at the times where that, that word even comes up, like, uh, sorry, it does not come up in conversations about, you know, um, I guess, what the, uh, you know, the school is changing its its mascot, or, or the school is changing its its colors. Like, nobody's talking about objectivity there. Nobody's talking about objectivity in, um, uh, I guess, the, the latest business moves of whatever local company is headquarters there. Like, we talk about that when it comes to race. And specifically, we talk about it when it comes to reporters of color, um, covering the communities that they tend to to maybe be a member of, right? So like even with that full context, right? Let's paint a complete picture about objectivity. um, And when we have that conversation, and it, um, I guess it looks a lot like, or a lot less like a philosophy to make good journalism and much more a tool to gatekeep who's allowed to be a journalist and who is allowed to, to, um, I guess, tell stories authoritatively over, You know whatever community they're covering, Um, so that I mean, yeah. No, I'm gonna leave it alone,
2: bro. Let (laughs) me stop. You good? You
0: good? You good? But that's the thing is that people understand that they just don't want to understand. Like it, this is
2: it's nothing new, right? And that's usually it's willful ignorance, right? Like people, people know this, like, but they don't. It's like you don't want to understand. Like that's that's what I you know I don't even go down the whole you know rabbit hole. You don't? I don't? I literally you don't understand how many people like from like there have been people like at the top of SJMC who said stuff like that to me before like I asked uh, what do you want to see at the start I want to see down the middle 100% objective journalism." I had a professor literally email me a couple months ago um I'm not gonna say any names but I have a professor email me say, say it after say it after say it after
1: <laughs> bro you're saying that like I didn't I didn't hold this whole job bro and talk to these same <laughs> like come on
2: bro <laughs> professor emails me um and it was it was actually like a helpful like tip or whatever it was something like it was like a small like thing um like word distinction in the story and i was like okay that's perfect and she's and then she added something like when i emailed her back, she's like oh i'm so glad you um you uh responded you know i'm really happy to see you know the star and this young journalist really putting in the work like we need more objective down the middle 100 you know Yeah, you know, no bias journalism because there's not a lot of that going on right now. That's pretty much what the message was. That's when you sort of lost me. I was like, oh, all right. Well, appreciate you for reaching out. You know, you you take care now. (laughs) How would you want? Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, it's all weird. And and again, like it's always, uh, I guess when we call things down the middle, we also never say what that is. Like we just say it was down the middle to that person, Um, but we never you know, nobody can ever define it. Nobody can ever explain um, what that means. And even to your conversation about like, you know, the police for, you know, up until now, like you get a police report you, and you copy the police report, you publish it and then we say, oh, well, did our objective journalism for the day, like gonna head out um, when it's like, I guess what gets me is I think about the contrast of how that's always been a practice and especially in conversations about police brutality, police misconduct, it was never that um, I guess like nothing changed about the police to make them less trustworthy. It was just that journalists changed their minds, or like white white institutions change their minds and so that's why I always go to i guess I'd never try to get too romantic about one um uh, I guess about the philosophies that they teach us in journalism school, because um, I think practice is the best teacher. Um, but, you know, there were, I guess if anything, it's more motivation to like be a good journalist by going out and talking to the community that you're covering. So rather than relying on when, any one agency or any one authority um, to tell you how to do good journalism, like let the community that you cover tell you how to do good journalism because what could have saved a lot of people um, from being on the wrong side of history is like, like if you go to any black community, right? Like any, any black side of town, they could have told you for years the police be lying. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, what more do you want? Like you got a whole genre of music, like hip hop is built off of, off of resistance. And you got track after track of black men telling stories about how uh, police have brutalized them. Um, police have robbed them, police have set them up, they've planted evidence, they've, um, you know, all of these different things that we, we report on now and say, whoa, like, that's crazy. Like, there's, there's so much misconduct. You mean we shouldn't hang on to every word the police says as, as the golden truth? Um, and it's like, the people in the community could have told you that, you know, 50, 50 years ago, right? Um, it was just a matter of the institution not wanting to hear it. Um, So the lesson there is to get in your community and ask your community what's going on, not your J school, not your editor.
0: Um, I really like the part where you were talking about uh, the best way to go about it is to have fairness and accuracy. I think if that was talked about way more that we wouldn't even be having this conversation because like, well, we just needed to be fair to both sides, let both sides speak, we'll give the facts and just try and make a complete story out of it. I think that's way better than uh, just saying, you know, objectivity, because hearing both of you break it down, it's like, damn, it really like, you could choose who you hire. I mean, you choose what words you write, how you phrase things. It's like a racially motivated attack as opposed to a racist incident, a, ra- a racist attack. You know, it. there is so much subjectivity that, you know, the notion of objectivity just doesn't exist. And do, you, do either of you think it's, it's just kind of a privilege that white journalists have, as opposed to like a person of color or specifically a black journalist?
1: Yeah, uh, it's most certainly a privilege. Like, and I mean, in any way you cut it. Um, Cause again, like nobody's asking white journalists if they're, um, you know, if they're allowed to cover events focused on white people, right? Um, like they don't have to deal with that. Nobody asks if they're objective. But Black reporters want to cover Black Lives Matter. They want to cover a protest. And then suddenly there's all these questions. And and also the backhanded memos, like the mass emails about, uh, you know, just a reminder, our values are to stay uh, this way about a protest. Like, you know, all of the coded language they use to disguise it as well. Like, white reporters don't have to deal with that. Um, And they're allowed to report on the white community um, all the same way. Uh, and like, I feel like, I say the phrase white community in jest, because I don't want anybody to start using that seriously and think um, uh, like we should be saying black community, because I, I despise the phrase when people are like, the black community is is up in arms or the black community is outraged. Like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> like millions of people are, are a community? Like, Okay um but uh i guess to your point like it it's a privilege in every sense that their job like they just get to do their job and if anything that's all like our ancestors have ever been asking for is like can i just do my job not yours not hers not harder not easier like i just want to do mine if that's cool
2: <laughs> yeah not Know right on the head, right? It's like the whole, you know, nobody, literally nobody's asking. You know, when you hire a white reporter, um, you, you know, you assign to a beat. It's you know, there's never those conversations of, hey, you know, just a reminder to, you know, leave your bias out of or, You know, I don't, I don't understand like the situation. the The best thing I can think of right is like with at the Gazette, right, with Alexis Johnson. Um, she posted a. Uh, uh, this was like uh, this would have been months ago, where she posted. Um, after um, a protest or something. She posted like a picture from some country singer like concert or something. And like the the thingy was like trash and all that stuff. And she put like a very sarcastic caption that says something along the lines of like, hey, th- these like rioters and looters are like going crazy. And it was like to show like how like ridiculous like people were sounding and whatnot. And the Gazette took her like off the, the, like, the protest beat. And like, she now like works at Vice News, like after like it was a whole thing like that situation like that doesn't happen with that at least in my opinion right doesn't happen where you know you sort of you switch you know the person Like that's something that is you know unique to you know black journalists and journalists of color right where it's like when you're you know covering you know things um where you know people you know you know you know might be impacted um you know it's a it's you know there's always that that conversation right of hey you know um you know the whole objectivity thing we just talked about, right? Like that's more so, you know, you know, uh, relative to those situations, but you don't see that across the board, uh, you know, apply everywhere equally. And it's an yeah. issue. And I
1: think that's important to note too of like, cause you, I think fairness and accuracy also doesn't mean like throw your hands up and just let anything go in your story. Like, oh, somebody said it in, to me in a quote, so I, I have to print it so I can be fair and accurate. Um, like, that's not what that means either. And I think more people are, I feel like people still aren't exactly okay with that idea just yet of even the idea that like, like as a reporter, like what if, and hear me out, like what if there weren't two sides to white supremacy? Like what, what if we just all agree that white supremacy is bad and we didn't exactly need to like hear arguments for it Right. And I think it's that sort of thing where, you know, some people argue that's a slippery slope, right? Like you don't want reporters making decisions about, um, you know, what ideas are, um, you know, too, too extreme or too far to, to be allowed in a story. Um, and you know, they might argue that's how they got here, but that's how white journalists got us here. I, I might add, um, but, uh, I think it is important for us to at least have some ground rules. Right. And I think they're pretty easy. Like they're not as, as slippery as, as one might pretend. Um, Where like you have these ground rules that like, you know, like people are like, are valid, like existences are valid. Like it's not for the news to say like who and who does not deserve to live. Um, And I think it's, um, I guess it, it might be a more radical idea, right? In some spaces to say that the news ought to be on the side of, um, uh, or sorry, maybe not even say that on the side of, but like the news should be against some things and white supremacy should be one of them. Um, and I think that's the different conversation that different newsrooms will have. And you can do all of that with, while still being fair and accurate, right? Um, Cause you don't have to manipulate any facts to, um, like white supremacy looks bad on its own like you don't have to pull anything out of context you don't have to um lie in your stories like if you tell the truth white supremacy deads itself right um and so again like i don't think newsrooms even need to be as afraid as they are of just saying hey like here's some ground rules like here's okay like there is a line um that we aren't gonna cross um and, it, and it's right here um and so i i guess to to wrap back around to your point of uh like it's not a matter of throwing your hands up and just saying anything goes like i think there should be a firm line uh, that the news is on the side of of the people and there are some things that the news should be against
0: um so clearly both of you have uh, had a lot of time to think and really internalize and critically analyze like the notion of objectivity but for a lot of people who may be just starting out and it's really because you know they try and drill it in your head consistently how do you go about unlearning that uh, that notion of objectivity
2: I think it just goes with everything else right is that you know, being able to, you know, there's like this some self accountability in that where it's, you know, you have to sort of be able to, you know, do your own research and do your own reading. And and that was one thing that I had to do, right? Like, and, and that really goes beyond like the notion of like just objectivity. I mean, we talk about being a journalist, right? Like you're expected to sort of have, you know, uh, you know, an understanding of the community around you and the people that make up that community, right? And there's a certain level of, uh, of, you know, I don't, I don't know what what the word is to associate it with, but I mean, you, uh, nonetheless. And a short version is that is that you, you can't go in not knowing anything, right? So you have to sort of be able to, to read, you know, you got to read your own books, right? Like you got to go off and you know you got to do your own research. You know, you got to um, you know uh, you know research this, you know, research that. But I think you know that's a part of it too. And um, you know, once you expand your worldview, you start to see things you know more clearly, right? Like there's no way that you sort of, you know, the history of police brutality, you know, the history of racial injustice in this country. And then you come into a scenario where the police brief, you know, that's the end all be all like there, if you, you know, if you, do you see, do you see sort of the connection there is like, if you know, you know, you've done enough research in this area, you know, you sort of certain things just don't even sound right. When certain people say certain things. Right. And you also got to think too, is that professors, you know, a professor is one person. So a professor is not the ever gonna be the end all be all the, the person that, that knows every single thing as well, right? So I think there there's there's that, right? Where you just there it's tough, you know, because a lot of a lot of these a lot of professors are people that you trust and you sort of depend on to help you get to a certain place. Um I don't know, it's just a balance, it's a tough one though. For me, I can only speak for myself and sort of how I've sort of navigated through everything is that to give some credit like I've learned you know I guess some some maybe some foundational things through um maybe through like SJMC and whatnot um things that are going to help me moving forward but a lot of the things that I've learned has been through you know conversations with people like like Carrington or uh you know other people that have been here before or and my own you know me realizing okay I don't know enough like there's you know I, I, or there are certain things that like, I'm like, I want to know more about this just out of, you know, curiosity, right? Like I might, like, I remember last summer I was like, you know, my memory on like World War II, like I want it to be even sharper than like what it is now and what I learned in APUSH right? So I went back and I went on Netflix and just watched that, uh the, the World War II in color documentary to get more like the specific details from like historians and whatnot. Um, but like, that's just little things like that that you have to do. And I think it'll, you know, after after a certain amount of time, right, like certain things that people say just, you know, it, it won't even make sense, right, because you've done so much in this area that it's like when somebody says, hey, you know, I, I've had professor say this before too, like, if you don't hear from an official source on the scene, which they were, reg- uh, uh, you know, talking about law enforcement, then we don't report it. You know, certain stuff like that, you're like, okay, that doesn't even make, you know, sense, you know. So, yeah, that, that's sort of my answer to it. I'm sure Carrington probably has a more um, yeah. No, uh, like I I'm with you, um,
1: which is nuts uh, that your professor said that. Like if you don't hear it from a cop, then um like you shouldn't report it. Anyway.
2: Um We just, just a side note, we literally had a, a whole practice scenario in class like about um like a, a scene or whatever. And like if there was like a quote from somebody who claims to have I guess seen the incident. And if you use that, that quote, like within like the story and whatnot, then you got like points off. Cause like it didn't come from an official source on the scene, which would, like I said before in that case been law enforcement. So it's, you know. See, and
1: like the problem with that assignment is because it like, it starts with the premise that law enforcement is always telling the truth. Law enforcement knows everything that happened. Um, when like neither of those are true Um, I think if the professor wanted to make the assignment better, they would encourage students to use information that's verifiable, right? So, um, it doesn't exactly matter that it came from the police officer or the the person who was a bystander. Um, I think it's more, which information can you actually go and find truth for? Um, Because there are some things like, again, like I'm not going to walk out on the street and, and, uh, you know, interview three people who are there and think I got a complete story. Um, I think it's more, um, uh, I guess, finding the leads, right, of, you know, who can I ask that can give me an exact answer, or what document can I find that can give me an exact answer, or if one is not reachable, um, giving that context and saying, hey, you know, here's what what we tried, Um, here's what we found from that, Um, and here's, you know, the context of of what that means. and I think, because even if, like, again, interrogate all of these, like, I'm, I'm encouraging anybody who's still in journalism school, like, and and here's, so to even flip a journalism lesson, like, uh, you know, they always tell us, if your mother tells you she loves you, you better check it out. Or well, if your journalism professor tells you anything in general, I'm like, you should check it out. <laughs> like, just be skeptical about um, the lessons as well. And that's not to say, I feel like this, this episode, I've, I've really like vilified like journalism school, and that's not my intention. Like, not to say that um, that journalism professors like don't know what they're talking about, or or to make anybody a bad guy, but I do know that there's a lot of old ideas that haven't been flushed out yet. So you should be skeptical of everything. Find out what works and what's true, the same way you would uh, read news, the same way you would evaluate your sources, um, because the idea of walking onto a scene and assuming the police are telling the truth says a lot over the person who actually lives there, right? Or if you're asking about, um, you know, the quality of the water, you know, sure, maybe a police officer might be credible, but perhaps the person drinking the water might know a thing or two. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it builds on a lot of premises too of, even if you consider who lives in that community versus who the police officer is, like, you know, do we, do we think the police officer is more credible because of the badge, or is it because of the identity of the person, um, or the class of the person, uh, or the race of the person, or the gender, uh, go on. And so, uh, I guess like even that, again, like the press, professor wanted to make the assignment better, uh, they should encourage students to, to choose quotes that are verifiable, rather than um, whether, the, whether it came from, um, you know, a government source or not. Because also if, if you've been watching the pandemic at all, like if you've been present for it, uh, like if you printed everything the government like told you- like, in the corner. That's yeah, weird. like you're not doing your job. Like you're the fourth estate, like you're supposed to be the, the fourth branch of government to make sure it's on the up and up. So if you're gonna walk up to a government official and regurgitate what they say, like, there's no reason, like we don't need to have a job, like just read the government's website. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, and also just a point, like Karen said, it's like to vilify the vilified of journalism school, with the professor. Like, even the professor is somebody that, like, I went to for questions and whatnot. Somebody that helped me a lot. But I mean, it's it's just a it's something that's so like systemic, right, within the industry, right? And you know, it goes to the the institutions, you know, that we that we're sort of uh, that we occupy and whatnot. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things you experience. But like I was saying before, is that you know there there's a level of like you have to you have to like. As, especially as a journalist right like you 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 just naturally you want to know everything right like it's like i there's not enough that you can have like there are so many areas right where i might, I might be watching tv or something or just hearing people talk i'm like i'm so mad i don't know enough about that let me go let me go look uh, let me i might go watch a documentary that sort of talked about that that uh that trial over the chicago seven or i might go you know watch the documentary about the world war II. Or i might go pick up I, I was reading this book uh back when carrington was here Um, about the history of mass incarceration. I might go read the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Like, you know, those are things you just have to, you have to, there has to be as a journalist, right? Like you have to have that, right? Like where you, you just, you naturally, like you want it so bad that, you know, no matter what anybody tells you, right? Like you're always going to do your own research and you're always going to look into it, you know, for yourself to get, you know, the most accurate, you know, the best answer, you know, possible.
0: Okay. I appreciate uh, both your answers and both your times. Uh, We are out of time. Unfortunately, we went a little bit over, but I don't care. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I always say to Jaden that like, it's like the past, present, and future. And like, I think it's dope. Like Carrington hired Jaden, Jaden hired me and I don't know who the hell I'm going to hire, but it's it's just, I don't know, I think it's dope. And I really appreciate uh, both of y'all being here Um, and both of your insight, you know, I don't, I don't think I necessarily want to be a journalist, but like in terms of being here and and hearing from like, you know, people like the both of you and and insight, especially the black people, it's it's gotten me more educated and more aware of like the media landscape and how to navigate it and asking certain questions and thinking about the information and how I'm receiving it. So, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful and I appreciate both of your times and being here. Listen,
1: appreciate you for having us. Yeah, no, I I appreciate y'all for your time having me. Not actually, I know we're over on time, so chop it. Oh no,
0: no, no, I don't, I don't but care. I don't care. I want It's my, my podcast, bro. You good? You good?
1: But I like that energy. Yeah. Um, so my my question for y'all um, is, is: What is one idea or challenge you're facing now um, as uh, student journalists? Um, particularly, Black student journalists—that you're not sure everybody is thinking about the same.
2: That's a tough one. I mean, mm. I don't know. I mean, aside from the things that we sort of, man, I mean it. Yeah, it just come. It just comes down really to, um, man, like when it comes to. I guess it's another point too is that when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, like that's not just a within the newsroom. Thing that needs to be addressed it's also the coverage like that's a that's a, another big part of it right is that um, you know sort of we've had the uh, editor for sure like I've, I've since day one like you know we have to be present right like so when the when the protests were happening in san Marks it was like we need to be at everyone i don't care if it's back to back three days in a row Like right we're going to be out there we're going to be present um i guess it was getting people to understand sort of the why part because i think a lot of times that Um, especially here at the Star, one thing I've experienced is that, because I think you have a lot of great people with great intentions, but a lot of people sort of go through the motions, right? Like they're doing stuff. They don't have, they don't know why they're doing it, right? So like an editor might tell you, hey, go get, you know, three sources all from, they all from different backgrounds or something like that, all three different perspectives. Like, okay, you're going to do it because the editor told you, but you don't know the why part. And I think those are things that are, that come from, the institution that we're at right like the 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 our education right in in our schools of journalism across the country i'm not this is not just a sjmc problem but it's an everywhere thing is that you know um when it comes to yeah that like when i think of diversity equity inclusion like i don't think of just okay i want to hire you know three black people three hispanics and uh three you know uh people from the lgbtqia plus community i i don't you know, that it's it's also in the the coverage, right, and and what you're doing, um, the stuff you're putting out there, because that's a reflection of sort of the people you have within the newsroom and how, um, you know, how, how much of a pulse and how much of an understanding you have of the community. So, like, for Carrington, right, he's in Memphis, right, which is a historically, you know, Black town, like, so much history from, you know, MLK to very white history, like Elvis, right, like, it's, you know, there's a lot, you know, there, but. You know so a place like MLK 50 right like the MLK 50 has you know the the pulse on the community um you know they're, they're they have the people that have sort of um you know been in the trenches the people who, who have done the research and and so on and so forth and the coverage is better because of it so everything's pretty connected right but I just think in student media though it needs to be more teaching of the why part and that's sort of what Carrington was talking about with objectivity earlier when you were saying like, when, when professors say, be objective, what does that mean? I think that can apply to everything else too. It's like, cause a lot of professors, I think they say things or a lot of people, a lot of journalists say things because that's what we've been taught for so long. Not a lot of people think about the why part. And that's sort of been my whole motivation with a lot of things we have done this year is everything we do needs to be like with a purpose, right? So, you know, if you decided to, you know, do this instead of this, okay, do you have a reasoning as, as to why you did that? Can you explain it to me? Um, you know, when we go out and we, you know, we say, Hey, you need to have at the, at the very least three sources in your story. Okay. Do you know the why part or are you just sort of doing it just because the editor told you to do it? I think there needs to be more teaching of, I keep going back to that, the why, you know, and I think that's going to you know, help us in the long run is that we have to do things with with purpose and reasoning. I think a lot of time we move blindly. We don't, Question enough things, or we don't think about things critically, and that's where we run into a lot of issues. I think so.
0: Um, For me, it's harder to answer that question just because of my position and the time that I've been here. Because I got hired in March, you know, after after talking to you and doing the interview with Jaden, and then that was literally when everything happened. You know, so I never really got the opportunity to go out in the field, and actually, like I still haven't been to the newsroom. I haven't met a bunch of people in person. So it's much it's harder for me to answer that question more directly. I will say though, um, the difficult part is kind of like having people understand kind of the perspective as, as black people. Like on our ad board, we have three. Well, now we have we have five black people, which is great. But prior to that, we only had three, which is me, Jaden, and Bianca, the PR director. Um, and when we were thinking and coming up with ideas of of the Pointer Project and the 11%, like, you know, there was kind of like those people that were like, yeah, I like it, but, and it's like, ah, okay. And, you know, that, but it's like, you don't really get why this is important. Why that, you know, the school has been, you know, this school has been around for how long allowing black people in that number hasn't changed significantly in, in God knows how long. Like, does that not seem odd to you? Like, can we not dissect that? And try to understand and get stories from all these people, especially in a time like this. And, you know, a lot of the ideas that were floating around weren't as good as the 11%. And, you know, the names, and it, it just wasn't as good. And we have, we had a really good foundation and we can really hone in. But a lot of people just weren't on board at first because they didn't really get it. And I think that kind of goes back to what Jaden was saying with the why and I think that's kind of just what I've experienced thus far. And, you know, like after after we had that meeting discussing the 11%, it was me, Jaden, Bianca, on the phone. And, you know, we talked about it. And it's like, you know, I don't really think they understand the importance of this and the impact it can have. So I think if any difficulty I've had thus far, I think that's one of few, but I have not experienced very many in my tenure here.
1: Got it. Yeah, so you're saying you feel like you have to sort of justify these journalism projects or journalism that that centers black people.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's I'm really it's just getting people to not go through the motions, right? Like that was a phrase my coaches used to always tell us in football, like we used to just do stuff and like not listen to the instructions. So I, I sort of apply it here, but it makes so much sense here. It's like I feel like a lot of people just do stuff because people, you know, maybe that's what they that's what they were um it's been ingrained in them so much, you know, they've heard it, but they never really found out why it is important. They never looked to see, you know, why it's important to do these certain things. So, you know, when you come to, you pitch something like the 11% project where you're trying to do a a year long project focusing on the 11% of black students at Texas State. And then you got people questioning, or not questioning, it's like, literally like the, the conversation we were having, it was like, like Kim said, that's a great idea, but I think we should focus on the pandemic. I think the, the, doing a year-long project on you know the pandemic, or even uh, you know a year-long project on the election. Like I think I think that would be uh, that that that's more. Yeah, I think that makes more sense for us. You know, it goes back to that. So I don't know. It's it's a lot of things, I, and I, I always come to that answer just because of the different experiences I've had within the newsroom, right? Like. Um, Man, like when I had that one conversation, I had, and Karen, you know about it. I had that one conversation a year ago where I had two white women telling me that literally like it was first of all, we were they were, we were trying to have a battle with uh, the oppression Olympics. Right. It was like, OK, white women are more uh, are more oppressed than black men. Like I literally, yeah, that literally,
1: that's
0: literally,
2: that literally came out of people's mouths in this. Movie. So when you do that, that tells me a lot about like, you know how you view things and your worldview like you could have the best intentions possible but people with that mindset and people saying stuff like that that's clearly not people who can accurately sort of go out and and ask the right questions right and you know convey the accurate sentiments and the complete story you know you know within you know their own writing or their own projects so it's like that's what I say, like, going back to the why part, is like, why are these things important? I think you, and, you know, once you start thinking about that, you start to see things a lot, you know, clearly. But I get on that to a lot of reporters, you know, and even outside of, like, like I said, outside of, like, race is, like, understand why you're doing something. Like, th- like I can't stress it enough. Like, I'll, I told you before, like, people will come to me with certain things, and they'll say, and I'll ask them, okay, um, you know, should you think about this? What you think about this? And they're like, oh okay that you know I'm like if you just really like sit back don't just do stuff because I you know somebody told you to do it or because you know it, you know I don't know you're just trying to meet a criteria or whatnot like really think through things I think that's going to help us you know a lot as an organization as an institution and you know maybe as a a community as well so
1: yeah no I I get it and I, I think as a black reporter especially if you're working for a a white outlet um you obviously or with any reporter you're going to have to defend your pitches right like you have to be prepared to to show why this is a story which is fine um but I think there's also going to be people who aren't going to want to see the story in something um and I think that's fine too you can still find outlets for that um or maybe the you know maybe that organization isn't some even i've been playing with the idea lately too of even like this idea of like like it is the history of like like black americans to fix white institutions for white people um and journalism is having that moment too where black journalists are coming in and and fixing this white institution i've even thinking been thinking about this idea of like you know there's i think there's white outlets who aren't even necessarily deserving of like that assistance or deserving of certain coverage, and especially with non the nonprofit models sort of giving people more room to uh, do more focused coverage, I feel like it there's more opportunities to take those stories elsewhere um, to probably better ears too um, rather than I guess uh, trying to twist a, a white institution's arm to make it like you know see the journalism in it um and that's an idea like i've just been playing with like i don't exactly have like a hard like like take for you but um it's just something i've been curious about like what like what if we no longer ask white institutions to to um i guess serve people equitably like if the means are available and if the you know the means are democratized enough um why not take it somewhere else um, and let those institutions you know suffer how they will whether it be financially in public relations or in I don't know like when they they do bad enough to where the people no longer support them either like they don't have readers Um, but I I think I would also keep in mind like Jaden as editor like you're you're only the second black person period to or in the you know, the history of a paper that's been around since 1911. And so I think it's also keeping in mind that, I guess in a lot of ways, it's almost like don't take it personally, right? Like, which is not to, I don't say that as like somehow this isn't valid or like you shouldn't be offended. Like, not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't take it personally in the sense that like you're not doing a good job or like as a black reporter, you're not doing a good job. Um, I think it says more about the institution than it does about you. Um, and I guess like you can't expect this institution. You know, you're, you can't expect yourself to to, I guess, fix all of these broken pieces all in one one term, right? Um, and even I had to tell myself that too, of like, you know, I guess feeling a pressure to to have the star be, you know the perfect, most inclusive organization all within my term, and it's just not feasible. like I'm doing a 100 year history. Um, and, uh, I guess even Kim being the future, right? Like, I think it's always that too, like keeping in mind that, you know, I can't fix it all, but I can at least try to, you know, set Jaden up to be able to do it. And, um, Jaden can set Kim up to be able to, to keep that progress going. And I think it's all about, you know, I guess dribbling as far as you can and then passing, right. More so than trying to, to shoot from, from half court. Uh,
2: so yeah. So it's like a great point I think you made, like, and that's something I think about a lot too, is like long term is like, how how long are we going to go, you know, giving, you know, sort of trying to work with like institutions to sort of see certain things and whatnot, as opposed to creating the MLK 50 or creating a 19 news, you know, sort of these, you know, these, these platforms where we can, we can set the foundation for the next hundred years, you know, for, you know,
0: on our own, right,
2: as opposed to walking into something that's already been established for hundreds of years. So I think about that a lot too, from a long-term perspective, is like, do I want, you know, for the remainder of my career to be answering and abiding by sort of outdated, you know, guidelines and outdated principles that have been established in these, you know, legacy, you know, uh, you know, institutions, legacy newspapers or news organizations or whatever, um, you know, as opposed to just, you know, how about you start, you know, if, like Karen said, you have the resources to do so, you know, um, being able to start, you know, start your own sort of legacy, right? And, and uh, you know, sort of change the course, which is what you've been seeing recently. Like like I mentioned, like with places like 19 News, it's like, okay, we're noticing that, you know, in a lot of places, like the women perspective is just either completely like way off or it's not there or nobody's considering it. Okay, so let's go get a whole team of trailblazers from across the industry, you know, from all different backgrounds. and Let's make our own newsroom and then go look at their covers now, right? And you, you know, you sort of see the result of that. So I think that's sort of the future of, that sort of might what be what has to happen, you know, in, in the long run is that we got to create our own. Uh, I think I heard Tyler Perry say that the, he did, a, uh, when he accepted an award, he said, instead of you know, waiting on the, the white man to, you know, give me a spot at the table. I went to Atlanta and made one on my own. And I'm like, like, exactly right. Like that's, that's sort of, you know, what it gets down to. So,
0: <clears throat> but you might have a podcast. Now. <laughs> no, no, I'm, say, trying to, no, no <laughs> I'm trying to think of um what to say. I mean, because like, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to build that culture. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, uh, I want this section. I have, I have really high goals. So like, I wanted like the section to be like one of the best in the country, but I have to like lower my scope. So I want to try to make this section as as best as it can be and maybe like make it the most popping one at the start. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm in the process of building that and, you know, given the limitations and stuff I am, I was talking to Bree about that on the, last episodes you know I have like these ambitions of like being in the studio like I just see like this green neon sign in the background like with the star logo and having a producer back in the booth and like having a screen to pull up stuff just like I have these goals and like I don't know I feel like I'm in the process of doing that and you know like I'm like y'all saying like I'm I'm the future so you know I want to carry on that tradition you know I want to like Carrington you know you saw me at the career fair you hooked me up with Jayden Jayden hired me I want to do that for somebody you know I want to I want to get up and coming black students who are ambitious and and really want it I want to give them a shot and so they can mold this and keep the culture going you know so that's really all I have to say oh yeah that's that's all I have to say
1: Um, specifically and let me add this real quick black women
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, most definitely, most definitely, most definitely. You know, I feel like black women's voices are oftentimes muted, you know. And you know, I feel like black women have the struggle of not only racism and but also misogyny. So they're fighting two fights. So uh, yeah, most definitely. Thank you for yeah. adding that.
1: And I only say that because that I keep that in mind, um, even as I was. Because you know it's a lesson. Like when I'm sitting back as editor, right, trying to be intentional about how I hire and be proactive about how I hire. Um, of, and I told this. I think mean, I said this in Star Camp, where you know it's not enough to just post the job on on your website and say, well, you know, only white people applied, so sorry, can't. You know, that's why my my staff is all white. You know, that's not good enough. And then even in the same point of, you know, if our goal, if we're all shooting for the same goal. To create a more inclusive star, so that way um, the coverage will be more reflective of the the community the star serves. Then that you know that means looking at all of your your um, your teammates as well too. And you know like we got black men in here, um, but it's also important to remember that, like there's black women too. So like you don't always have to shoot, you don't always have to um, you know pull up from the three point line like like never be afraid to pass it and we we should we should looking to pass it um that's sort of the that's not only the mindset i had as editor but even today you know um always looking to it's about creating avenues for people right um creating avenues where you can if you're given power if you're given um opportunity like you should be looking how can i amplify that and pass it on to somebody else who otherwise wouldn't have access i think that's the You know, that's the thing that's going to make sure, I guess, keep that progress going.
2: I guess lastly, what I would add is um, to to that, I think, too, is like we were talking about earlier, right? Like, and then that also needs to become the responsibility of everybody at the organization, right? Like, because, you know, we, it can't end when, you know, Jaden Edison, Karen Tatum, and Kim Davis leave, you know, the University Star. And then after that, it goes right back to what it was before, you know, like that can't be things. So everything Carrington's saying, like, that all, like, the, the way being intentional with certain things, understanding the why part, so on and so forth, like, that needs to be something that, that, that everybody sort of, you know, uh, takes, you know, um, takes or, or a responsibility, everybody places upon themselves, you know, within the organization is that, hey, like, we understand that we have not been what we need to be historically. Okay, so here's like our plan, here's what we're going to do to change that, right? And, and it needs to be the responsibility of everybody, so I always think about that one quote, and I, I mentioned this to y'all before, um, when Corey said uh, in the documentary, the first black documentary we did, he said, you know, if I did a terrible job, they wouldn't let another one in here for another hundred years, right? It's like, oftentimes, like black people in whatever spaces, right? Feel as if like, we have to sort of change the world, right? And, you know, he talked about like a, a year term editor in chief, it's like, I'm not gonna lie, when we first got here, when I first got here, um, and I talked about this on, when I did the episode with you before, when I first got to the star, especially like during the times that we're in now, that's like the, cause I took over May 1st, right? The George Floyd um, death happened. Um, 24th. Uh, late, exactly. Like late, yeah. in late, uh, late May. So, and then that's whenever you started to see everywhere, um, you know, the protests and whatnot and all of those have been going on forever. Right. Like this was the one time like, I I mean, I didn't, you don't expect, like that's something that, you know, George Floyd, that happens in Minneapolis. Right. You got people in San Marcos protesting like you know, and every single day and like vocal about it. So there is a lot of pressure from that standpoint. And then there was like a racial reckoning across everywhere, across newsrooms, businesses, people speaking up and speaking out um, about, you know, uh, people like not showing up to work because, you know, their employers hadn't been, you know, uh, you know, doing things the way they should be doing. Like there's a lot of pressure in that and like, okay, I'm a, I'm a black leader i'm the black leader uh, uh, you know the editor-in-chief of of this news organization and i'm sort of you know expected to to help us navigate through this all like if at at the very beginning right there was like that whole thing of like dude like there is so much to do and like i feel like it is my responsibility to sort of change course but then as time goes on you just sort of you you look at things for what they are right and you sort of Every day's is a little bit different, but you just a new challenge every day. You try to do, you know, one thing at a time, take it one day at a time. And, um, you know, you just, the way I see it is like you put the work in and you, you can sort of live with the results. So that's the way I, I sort of look at it now is that, you know, I know I'm not going to change everything, you know, in the next, you know, several months uh, leading up to May 1st, but, you know, just sort of push it, you know, leave it sort of better than you found it you know, and hand it off like Carrington said, you know, pass it to the person, you know, in the corner, you know, ready to shoot the three or whatnot, you know, you know, be willing to do that and be ready to do that. Um, so yeah, and it needs to be the responsibility of everybody to sort of see those things as well. So that's the way I look at it now. And I'm sure I'm going to continue to run into different challenges and whatnot for the rest of this term. But you know, that's fine. I mean, you just sort of you take it, you know, for what it is. But like I say, my philosophy is, you know, I know I'm giving this organization since I've been here, like, I've placed the organization first over a lot of different things right now. I've given the organization a lot of, you know, time and space and, you know, I've given maximum effort in everything I've done. So if you can, I feel like if you do that, you can sort of live with, you know, you can live with some of the mistakes that come along the way and whatnot. You, you know, you learn to sort of navigate through it and just move forward. So. <clears throat>
0: um... We got a meeting in 14 minutes. Oh, we do, don't we? I got to send yeah. this out. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> wrap it up, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said earlier, thank the both of y'all uh, for coming. And uh, I appreciate having both y'all time. I know y'all are busy, so uh, it means a lot. Um, I respect the hell out of both of you. So, um, yeah, just just thank you. I'm very appreciative. And uh, Carrington, good luck in Memphis, bro. You know, um, you're the type of person mm-hmm. to put uh, everything into uh what they do so I i thoroughly believe you'll be very successful and I can't wait to see you grow and continue. Uh Jaden, you're doing you're doing a hell of a job here thus far, bro. Um, you know, I don't tell you this enough, but I'm proud of you. And uh sure. I'm excited to see uh how you continue to mold, you know, the star as a whole and you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So Likewise.
2: thank you. Appreciate thank you for me. having us on here. appreciate that. Thank yeah. You. And, yeah, yeah y'all, man, y'all about to all right, man. I, I, all I need to, all I say is just give people the shot because parents in, in Memphis now, you about to go crazy. I don't, like, I, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I argue, like. There's certain people you just know, like you just if you give them the opportunity, it's over with. You know that's how I feel about like y'all. So it's like they 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 them almost messed up by letting him go to Memphis. And now it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <crap. laughs>
1: yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It's humbling that y'all uh y'all believe in me like that. So I'm gonna try to hold up my end, make sure I deliver. Um, but I'm extremely proud of t- the two of y'all because, you know, it's, um, I don't know, I, like it, I always wondered if, um, you know, the, I guess the ideas that, that I started at the Star and um, I guess what even me being the first Black editor, what that represented, I wondered if that was a flash in the pan. I wonder if that was going to be, um, you know, more Texas State Black history that would be, you know, sort of washed away with time. But um, I don't worry about that anymore because I see see the work Jade has done, I see the work you're doing Kim, especially, um, you know, I think a lot about meeting you at the career booth and it's like, you can just look at people um, and you just, uh, you hear them talking, you just, you see something different, like you just know. Um, I knew that about Kim. So um, that's why I'm never, uh, I guess like, I I don't worry anymore. Like I know it's in good hands. I know y'all gonna keep, um, you know, keep doing good journalism first and foremost, uh, but then also keep looking for ways to, to make sure that that journalism is better reflective of the, you know, the community y'all cover more fair, more accurate.
0: So, proud of y'all. All right. Thank you, brother. I'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Right. Is that for the start? sit down? See you guys next Friday.